Welcome to the Secret of Childhood podcast. I'm your host, Hadir. I started this podcast to take you with me on a journey of rediscovering our vibrant inner voice from childhood, now reduced to a mere whisper. Drawing from my Montessori background, together with diverse guests, I hope that we can reconnect with our inner child, and in doing so, better understand and support our children in the process. So prepare yourself for a journey that might just send shivers down your spine as we uncover the magical years of childhood. Good morning, everyone. I am super excited for today's episode because we have the incredible Noor joining us. And today's topic is something that is very dear to me. And, you know, I think as everyone around us underestimates the early years, especially the first six years, and how important they are in shaping the subconscious brain. And Noor will talk a bit, will walk us through more what she does and her work. everybody. Hello, everyone. And uh, so when we hear emotional surgery, we kind of like go like a little bit like this. What is this? We never heard of it. Where does it come from? Well, it actually comes from a guy called Wilhelm Reich, who was the president of the Psychoanalysis Society in Vienna. And he was the prodigious son of Freud, him and Jung, Carl Jung. So they are the two geniuses who changed psychology forever. And Wilhelm Reich is the god-godfather of everything, every single technique in the world that now talks about body, emotions, and releasing emotions from the body, tissues, the memories of the emotions in the body, comes from Wilhelm Reich. He's not known. He became known through the work of his one of his students, who is Alexander Lowen, who created a school that is called bioenergetics. So there is a very big scientific background to this. I studied psychotherapy. I introduced myself a little bit. I studied psychotherapy in Spain. And I studied Wilhelm Reich. That was my psychotherapy uh, studies. We do it in four years and we do obligatory supervision for five years. And of course, you have to undergo your own personal process that took five years of doing this. And after 10, 15 years, I realized that psychotherapy in a classical way, conventional way, had some traps that I did not agree with and they were not taking me where I really, really needed to go or where my clients needed to go. So I had a very strong uh, crisis, emotional crisis, and I wanted the best for myself. So unfortunately, I found Tony Robbins have a 12 or 15 at the time, because now he has a school. He had 15 um, coaches that he trained for normal people like us, because Tony Robbins doesn't coach normal people like us. So through his team, I was coached for six months and I managed to get out of my depressive state at the time and the crisis I was in. And through these six months, I discovered that there was a very big part of psychotherapy that did not deal with what the coaching was dealing with. Now, more modern ways of doing psychotherapies, they include many of these things, but at the time, this was not the case. So I decided to study coaching. Then I I put coaching and psychotherapy together, what I got best from here and what I got best from here. I put them together and I started creating my own way of working, which was more personalized with the clients. And then I had a very spiritual crisis through which I had a very strong opening to who we are 
beyond our story, beyond our drama, beyond everything we are trapped in. And I discovered that we are not any of that. We are trapped in this, but we truly are not this. And I put this together with my work, with everything I learned from this experience, and that became what emotional surgery is about. So I would talk at the end about emotional surgery because I know that Hadir has a very, very, very urgent question. It's like, <laughs> how are the first six years of our life interfere in our adulthood and why they are important? Because she is, she's just opened the Montessori school and she really wants to give the best to her kids at school and she wants them to grow as healthy human beings so we can create a more healthy society and i am with her in this venture <laughs> hence that's why i am here so the six first years are very important why because we have six basic needs or five basic needs that are our instinctive needs from the moment we are still in our mother's womb until we are six or seven years old but we stay in the theta brainway which is the dreamy state and in that dreamy state we are one with everything that surrounds us. So me and mama are one. Until I am seven months old, I am one with mama. So anything that happens to mama happens to me. And my brain takes seven years to develop in a way that makes it capable of dealing with the world. So why are the six years important? Because if we don't know this very basic scientific information, and we start at the age of three or four years old telling kids, and tell us in Tifham, you need to understand that mama is going through something or that papa doesn't come and play with you because he's tired. The kid doesn't understand that. Mm. For him, papa doesn't want to be with me. For him, there is something wrong with me because until he's seven years old, he is the center of his universe. So anything that happens in his universe is because he is doing well to Papa and Mama or he is doing bad to Papa and Mama. Mm. So we need to start understanding the language and the default setting of a baby and then a toddler. Because unless we do that, we will not be capable of satisfying their needs in these first six years. Let me take a very simple example. And I want to walk you through these six needs. So when we are in the uterus and when we come out of the uterus, what do you think is the most important need that a baby could have? Safety. The he first thing that came to me was, you know, safe attachment, like security to the mother. Because you, you were just sitting in a, in a very, very, very warm environment. You're listening to her heartbeat. You're listening to her peristaltic beat of the, uh, of the intestines. And all of a sudden, you are out there. You have to breathe air. Mm. You're not breathing through it's your like, umbilical cord. In a way, you can think of, of the, the very like, act of birth as a trauma because like, you're, you're, you, for nine months, you've been protected in the womb. And then now you're you're in a world where everything is loud and everyone's touching you so aggressively and they're clothing you and it's 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 a huge change and you're seeing all these lights and different colors it's, it's you're overstimulated you know exactly so all of a sudden you have a shock mm. all of a sudden you have a shock so that shock you're not 
in your brain, people say, I forgot about my past and I'm starting a new life. Your body doesn't forget. Mm. Your body keeps the score. The your body, body never lies. Keeps, <laughs> the body keeps the memory. And all this is sponged in. And so, because this is why emotional surgery is all about emotions and body. It's not about analyzing. It's not about understanding. It's about experiencing. And through the experience, you come to the knowing. Something you know through your body that this is your experience. That's your truth. Because so like body, getting... But then when you get back into your body and you know you're, you're, you, you get in touch with your feelings, but aren't feelings fleeting? So like you could feel one thing for, like in this moment in time and then two minutes later you feel very different about it. So, you know, the body keeps score and it doesn't lie, but... The body doesn't lie, but your mind tricks you. And we, with the time, disconnected from our body through our neck. So our head became in one place, our body became, went to another place. So we trick ourselves with the mind. But the body, when you go back to the body, you will know it. If you go back straight to your body, you know it. So after this, when, so we come out and then we need to be in mother's arms because we need to be close to her smell. We need to be close to her heartbeat and we need to be close to her skin because her skin reminds us a little bit of what we were inside. So there are a lot of women who have issues with their bodies and with their touching because of some stuff that happened to them. So they do not realize the importance of touch the skin. In this year that's going to go out with, with breastfeeding, what is happening is the baby is starting to understand, understand through his body, through the senses. Remember, he is in theta, so he's in a dreamy state. So he's sponging everything. He starts feeling the warmth. He starts being nurtured. And he starts realizing that what he needs, he can get. What he needs as contact and what he needs as food. There is a, a, a psychoanalysis that is very famous who made a, a research with chimpanzees that are the closest animals to us because he wanted to understand the attachment theory. He wanted to understand what happens to us with attachment. So he took some chimpanzees to whom he gave food and contact with mama. He gave another one, one other chimpanzee, and it, 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 he wrote a book about this. And he gave another chimpanzee, he gave him food, but didn't give him contact with mama. He gave to a third one contact, but no food. And he gave to the fourth one, no food and no contact. Can you guess who died first? The last one. The last one. And who, di who was died last, who, who died next or, or was not in good shape from the three left? The no contact. The no contact. And then the one who got the contact And food was the best, obviously. But the one who got contact and didn't get food did better than food without Because we're social creatures. You know, the worst form of punishment is solitary isolation. That's what they do at prisons, right? 
So we need to understand very strongly that connection with mama is more important than giving her food, than giving him food. So even if you can't breastfeed for whatever reason, your baby is refusing your milk or you have issues with your milk, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to go through this now. As long as you keep him by you and you give him uh, biberon, you he's going to be fine because he's realizing that he is safe and that he is getting mama's warmth, which is kind of healthy attachment. There are so many theories about, no, leave him to himself because he doesn't get attached. And this is how people get attached later on to cigarettes, to drugs, to alcohol, to food, to their computer, to video games. Abandoned. Because they did not get what they needed. Oh. So this, this idea of like, I don't give it to you because I train you to be independent. How so can you gonna, train somebody? It's like you basically find other things to compensate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because you did not get enough. When I am hungry, I eat and I think of food. But once I am satisfied, I don't think of food. So at one year old or one and a half years old or two years old, the baby still needs the connection with mama. So I cannot deprive him from this before this because he needs to learn how to be independent. This is not the moment for him to be independent. This is the moment for him to learn about healthy attachment. And in that healthy attachment, he realizes that he can get from the world, from human beings, what he needs because his need is important. Through food, breast, we built a relationship with ourselves that we are important enough because our need is being met. So we are safe and we are nurtured. So life can nurture me. People can nurture me. Mama is nurturing me. That is the experience. It's not about independency yet. Independency is when I start walking on my legs because instinctively, biologically, organically, I am starting to move on my feet. And, and even that's my... physical independence, right? It's not emotional. You haven't even... It's... Exactly. But what I'm saying is like the body is saying everything. There is a moment for this to happen when I start moving because I'm not attached because this is not my only interest right now. Be with her in her arms. No. When you start discovering and you start uh, how do you say, crawl, mm. you start a different phase of your life. This is the moment when you start detaching a little bit from mama and you need space. Mm. You are discovering space. It's a new dimension for you. So people who need a lot of space or less space or take too much space or very little space or disappear in the space, it all comes from everything that happened to them in this moment when they started crawling and they had so many restrictions and so many fears of the parents. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't go out, not do it like this, don't do it like that. You're going to spoil your dress. You're going to break whatever is on the table. Blah, 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 blah. So this is a third phase where we have this need for this space. And whatever, too much space, very little space, not healthy boundary with space, create a different type of character. 
because the issue is different. And then we start moving on our feet. And then we start being more independent. We can go a little bit far, but we always turn around and look for mama. Mm. The reference has to be here. <laughs> so true. So safety is the underlying need for all of us to keep moving through the different phases with our different needs. Mama, I need to go and discover what's happening in the world, you know? I have two feet now. I want to go and do things. But you need to be here for me, please. Stay here for me. <laughs> so as you can see, and then I start going to the world and I start meeting my siblings and I start meeting my other. And so my image becomes important to me. And when I, I get to that stage, my sexuality is all too important because the hormones start moving and I start discovering and having certain feelings in my genital area. And so I need mama and papa to acknowledge me as a sexual being in this moment. And in the Middle East, we're not going to talk about <laughs> what we have around this area. We leave this for another episode. But through the, walking you through <clears throat> what a baby goes through in these first six years, you can imagine a little bit of anything or a little bit of too much of something of these basic six needs or five needs that we have in these first six, seven years are creating already the experience of, I cannot move easily in the space. I am not free. They are expecting too much of me. If I start, I, I, I'm yeah. starting to stand on my feet and in five days, they want me to be able to be strong and move because they want to be proud of me in front of the rest of the family. He is the first baby in the family who walked very quickly or learned very quickly or talked very quickly or stopped uh, doing pee, pee on himself very quickly. Mm. We are interfering with the natural process because of stuff we have. That puts pressure on the organism that is biological, organic, sensorial. And his brain is still not capable of grasping all this. All this creates pressure. And that pressure starts limiting the breath, the genitals, the body, in order for us to cope. Because we want this, we want Papa and Mama to be happy. Mm. So we yeah. do anything. So we start cutting parts of ourselves. We're getting parts of ourselves. You disconnect. Of, you disconnect. And then, and then you also lose your authenticity. Back. Yeah, because exactly. if you, you know, if you're crying and then you go to your parents and you're like, oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Then the message that you're getting is it's not okay to cry. And exactly. then, the, and that you don't trust your feelings because خلاص, like, exactly. Uh, exactly. am I actually sad or yeah. But we need to, you, you need to not be sad in order for you not to cry. You need not to be hungry in order for you to get the food at the hour she tells you. But you can't, you don't, you, so you stop following your stomach. If your stomach is, 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 is hungry now and mama says you're going to eat in three hours, I have to not feel hunger in order for me to be able to wait for the food in three. Yeah, and then we wonder why do I have uh, digestive problems? Mm. <laughs> well, I have to stop being hungry so I don't, so, so I, I don't feel the pain of my hunger and keep crying for three hours because nobody listens to me. So we start forgetting, suppressing, contracting different parts of our body's energy, body's sensorial input so we can cope with what is expected of us. Mm. 
This is why the six years are important. I hope I made it clear. So important. But is there hope? Can we rewire them? <laughs> yes, yes. The, the, the younger we are, the quicker it is because we've put 10 years of programming and not 40 years. Yeah, but I think about it like, you know, if every morning I wake up and I, and I have a cup of coffee and like what I've started drinking coffee since I was 18. So that's like 300 coffees, even more. So and I wake up today and I say, I'm not going to have a coffee in the morning. But it's like those 300 coffees behind my back pushing me to have another one. So it's yeah, 90% of our decisions that we make every day are subconscious. It's like uh, programming. And even when you want to try to change it, it's so difficult because it's safe to, to even if it's, uh, you know, even if it's bad for you, it's familiar. So you just keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it. So it's, it's really difficult to break from the cycle. Well, the cycle is, I have an experience and the experience created a belief. Mm. And so I did not get enough food from my mama, let's say, enough breast, and then she didn't hold me in her arms. So for me, the world is not very safe and people do not satisfy my needs. Mm. So that's my belief and that's all in my subconscious. So I grew up and I learned maybe, I'm going to give an example. I learned to seduce my mama and I seduce her by pleasing her in whatever she wants. So now it's all about how do I please my mama in order for me to get from her what I want. Mm. So now I create a habit, the habit of pleasing. Mm, but it originates from the mom. And through this habit, I already forgot my need. My need is I, had, I, I was in need of being nurtured by mama. Mama doesn't nurture me. So I'm going to start nurturing mama by pleasing mama and giving mama what she needs. So I give to the others what I need. So many people say, I give so much. It's so basic when you think about it, but it becomes so complex when it keeps repeating itself. Oh my God, it's just a bit like the basic need of I need nurturing. But then it, wow. And so, I, and so I end up pleasing my mama. So I forgot about myself. So I start pleasing. I see through pleasing, I get what I want. So this becomes my habit. I keep pleasing people because I am successful at pleasing people. Understand. So in order for me to please them, I need to understand their needs. I need to see how they move and what they need and be there when this happens. So I start being successful at getting this. So now this builds up my personality. My personality is a pleaser. So I believe that this is who I am. We forget where we started. We started as a human being completely organistic, who needed his needs satisfied, but they were not satisfied for whatever reason. So I built a personality to cope. And that personality believes that by pleasing people, I get what I want. But you forgot everything that is underneath this. So you go in the world pleasing people. Some people you please, some people you don't please. And sometimes when you please, you get what you want. And sometimes when you don't please, you get anxiety. And then you start feeling yourself, you're not good enough as a pleaser. So you have to learn more stuff or sacrifice yourself more in order for you to get what you want. Why? Because through pleasing, you get the love, you get the respect, and you get what you want from the other. So you become attached to that personality. Yeah. Because through that personality, you have your success in life. Mm. Wow. 
need to go back and reflect <laughs> on our personalities. So, so this is why it's very difficult to get rid of the personality. So people tell me, okay, so what do we do? So I tell them, calm down. When we do the emotional surgery, I take you to the place where you forgot yourself. I take you to your feelings about how much pain and how much deprivation you felt before you started building that personality. Mm. I show you all the suffering. I make you experience in your body. What we experience become our knowing. What we learn in our head become a new belief. A new belief is not a knowing. We know that God loves us, but we're constantly feeling guilty because we're not doing what God wants from us. If we really had a deep knowing of God, we would not be guilty. So there's like a disconnect between the heart and mind. Exactly. And because in this disconnection, I say, oh, I know that God loves me. I know in my head that God loves me. But you don't but actually my body... feel it in your heart. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I bring people back to their bodies, to their feelings, to their emotions. When you start understanding what I'm saying and you start doing this process and you dive deep into yourself at your own pace, so don't be scared, don't be afraid. Mm. And you start undoing everything that you don't need because now recuperating your needs are more important than pleasing others. Mm. So can you see the courage you need in order for you to face something. And the funny thing, the ironic thing, which people don't know, is that you never, never, ever lose this capacity of music people. The only thing that happens is that now you can use it for your benefit. You can say no when you want and when you need to say no. And you can say, yes, I want to please you because I feel, because I choose it. Yes, Not because I have to for- lose it. Yeah, you start living for yourself, not for other people. And you start living from your truth Mm -hmm. and you start satisfying your needs and you start understanding what is your inner map. And you're not in function, in anxiety, in fear, in guilt, because if you don't do what is expected of you, you're going to fail them. They're not going to give you what you want and you're going to lose this love. Because remember, you learn this in order for you to be loved. So love and doing this are attached. Like in the example of the coffee, waking up and becoming active is attached to coffee. So what you associate with the act is the, is the important thing. So exactly. And the that's what we really need to break down. Exactly. If I break down feeling alive from coffee, then... I can start getting rid of coffee. Mm. So it's not through will with the mind. It's It's through through the feelings. And the inner contemplation of what I'm saying. It's like, I want to be alive. That's my goal. That's why I drink coffee. So can I find other ways to be alive when I wake up? Mm. Then we can separate coffee from and put a new habit. When a new habit comes, it starts pushing away the old habit. So you don't have to keep, oh, I'm, I'm trying, but I'm not doing it. And I feel bad and I feel a failure and I don't have discipline. And we go to a place you that start doesn't analyzing, make- yeah. But that's so profound, like, and it's so simple. Like just what things and people represent for you, like break it down to the basics. 
Wow, I feel like I, I want to go on forever, but uh, as we bring the episode to a close, I just wanted to ask you if you wanted to leave our listeners with anything where they can find you to learn more about emotional surgery. You can um, leave under your, under the podcast the link to my Facebook. I have a Facebook yes. page that Noor Youssef Official on Facebook. It has a lot of videos where I talk about a lot of stuff that has to do with relationships. Mm. And uh, I do private consultations online for whoever is interested in starting their own personal trip with this. And I also do courses wherever I get invited to do courses for parents with their kids, for uh, teachers with their students. Yes, hopefully uh, you'll be joining us at Revere soon. <laughs> And, and really uh, teachers between that. themselves so they can learn how to create a good team mm. uh, because when they learn about themselves and see what they project on the kids at school then, yeah. then what is happening to them at school can become a tool Obstacles, to yeah. learn about themselves and to not bring it on the kids and their relationships with their kids at home will definitely benefit from. So I'm open to all sorts of options to um, bring people to this awareness and to that connection with themselves that bring them back to themselves. Thank you so much, Noor, for joining us today. I hope that our listeners could just begin their healing journey just by listening to the beautiful words that you've said and inspire us to be more reflective and mindful when we're interacting with our children. So yeah, definitely reach out to Noor. She's incredible. Her work is incredible. And um, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.